I want to share with you for a few minutes this morning just about the season that we're in as a church and where we're headed and uh, the opportunity that we have as a church to, to take a step of faith and to make some, some risky decisions that allow God to do some impossible things in us and through us that perhaps wouldn't be accessible have we not make some changes that we're going to make. Um, if you're new to Synergy, Synergy Church is a little over two and a half years old. January 22nd of 2012, uh, we opened the doors for our church and we officially launched our church. And God has done so much through our church in the last couple of years that it just blows my mind to think back to our beginnings. And I want to share some of that in just a few moments. But I want to share a scripture with you, and it's a scripture that is centered around um, instructions for receiving communion, receiving the Lord's table, partaking in the elements and remembering the body and the blood of Christ and his sacrifice for us and what that means for us. It's, it's a passage found in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting in verse number 23. It's written by a man named Paul to a church in the city of Corinth. Um, he's giving them instructions for worshiping God. And, and in just a few moments, I'm going to give you the opportunity like this church in Corinth, Corinth would have had to partake in, in Holy Communion. But I want to read this scripture and share a few thoughts with you before we do that. Because as I was reflecting the last few weeks about today and what today would mean and look like in the life of our church, uh, something became obvious to me that had not been obvious to me in this passage before. And so I want to read this to us. This was Paul's instructions to the church at Corinth in regards to receiving the Lord's table. It says, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. And he says, do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And Paul is giving instructions that he has received from the Lord that have been passed down to him that surrounded the events of a night where Jesus had one final last supper with his disciples, his closest followers. This would have been centered around the feast of Passover. It would have been a Jewish holiday that they would have been celebrating. But this particular supper, this last supper, had significant meaning because it's the last time that Jesus would partake in this particular celebration with his disciples. See, he knew that he had, just in a short few moments, an obligation and an honor to give himself for you and for me, and specifically for his disciples that he was having a dinner with. And the thing that he says to them is, is somewhat confusing if you put yourself in the room. 
So Jesus is with you. He's living, breathing. He's, he's been leading you for about three years and you've followed him and you've seen him do ministry. You've seen him open blind eyes and you've seen him make crippled men walk and you've seen him raise dead men to life and you've seen him uh, provide a meal for thousands of people out of just a basket full of bread and fish and you've seen him do incredible, amazing things. And as you sit down with him at this meal, he begins to talk with you about the importance of the bread that he's about to share with you and the drink that he is about to share with you. And he begins to say that this bread represents my body, which is for you. Some versions say, which is broken for you. And he says, as often as you eat it, do it in remembrance of me. He's asking you to remember something that hasn't taken place yet. See, he hasn't given his life for you yet in that moment. And he's saying that the bread is his body. It represents his body, which is given for you. And as often as you eat that bread in that context, you should remember the body of the Lord. And then he says the same thing about the drink. At the end of supper, he passes a cup of wine. And he says that this cup represents my blood, which is shed for you. As often as you drink it, drink it in remembrance of me. There it is again. He's asking us to remember something that hasn't taken place yet. Do you see that? He's asking you to, to see his body and his blood, which was broken and shed for you, in such a honoring perspective that you should always remember his body and blood when you eat and drink, but... He hasn't shed blood for you yet. And his body hasn't been broken for you yet. Then he ends by saying, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, do it in remembrance of me. And as I was thinking this week, I just, I couldn't help to put myself in the room and just wonder like if hands went up and, and just out of confusion, there were questions asked like, you know, Jesus, are we kind of on the same page here because you're asking me to remember you and like I'm not going to forget you I don't really understand what you're saying but he was pointing to a period a time an action a sacrifice that hadn't taken place yet and this morning we're going to we're going to partake of the Lord's Supper with a different perspective in hindsight with the with the privilege of scripture to highlight for us the sacrifice of Christ on a cross where his body was broken and his blood was shed for us. And we have the honor of remembering vividly what we, recount, what we recall in Scripture that he did for us. And it's a holy thing. It's a beautiful thing. But I got to thinking, what if along with remembering what he has done for us, like his disciples we begin to remember what he has yet to do for us. That there is coming a day where we will experience something more than we have experienced now. And by faith, what if we just said, you know, God, I'm thanking you for what you're going to do in us and through us. Specifically, over the next year, we've created a goal. In fact, we've created a a growth initiative, what we're calling X2, where as a church, we're 
seeking God, we're working hard, we're praying specifically that our church would double over the next year. That our attendance would double, that our giving would double, that our volunteers would double, that the number of people in small groups would double, that the number of people that go through growth tracks would double, that our official partners would double, that our salvations would double, that people who are water baptized would double, that we would see a double blessing of God's hand on this church. And it hasn't happened yet. We're believing that it will, but in fact, it's kind of a risky stance to take. It's kind of a vulnerable place to to go public and say, over the next year, we're setting a goal to double our church because at the end of the day, there's no guarantee that we will. And it may seem like a lofty goal and it may seem like something absurd to you, but for me, it's a step of faith. It's a risk worth taking that says, I believe that Jesus is going to do something for us that we've yet to experience. So this morning, I want to ask us to remember. To remember where we've come from, first of all, as a church. To remember October 1st of 2010 when my wife and I, through many tears, committed to planting Synergy Church in Winder, Georgia. And we had no clue how to start a church. I had been in ministry as a student pastor for eight years, but we had no clue how to start a church, where to begin, what would happen, but look where God's brought us to. And I I think back to the conversations that I had with the few people that I knew here in Barrow County, all of whom said, we think you'll do great. We're excited for you. When things get up and run and let us know, we'd like to come check it out. And how it crushed our hearts. And we said, the few people that we know in Barrow County aren't even willing to help us start a church. How are we ever going to have a church? And then I can remember the first family that committed to helping us start this church. And the joy of just the victory of knowing that God was so gracious to us. That a family was willing to step out with us into nothing to try to create something with the hopes of making a difference in this community. And I can remember when there were only 10 people committed to this church, including an eighth grader who gathered together in an office at the Chamber of Commerce and we had been praying and working and trying everything to get a group of people to start this church, and it was just 10 of us. Now, I remember that night specifically going around the room and saying, you know, do you think that we should go ahead and start this church in a month with only 10 people, or do you think that we should wait until January, which was about four or five months away? And I remember hearing people making statements that just said, you know, let's just do it, let's just do it. And I remember the wisdom of God that came to us that just said, you're not quite ready and let's just wait till January. And I can remember January the 22nd of 2012 when we launched this church. Now please know that what you see here today hasn't always been Synergy Church because as we were trying and begging and doing anything that we could to convince anyone to help us start this church, we were meeting at a place called Jungle Jumpers. Jungle jumpers. 
That's where our church met for over six months. An inflatable party house for kids. And we met in a room that had a mural of a jungle with monkeys hanging around us. And we had no equipment. We had nothing to our name, just a dream and a hope that God would do something through us. And a few people would gather in that room and we took a step of faith and we jumped into the big party house room. And we moved some inflatables every week. We set up just a little bit of pipe and drape to kind of make it not feel so big. And we borrowed a sound system that we set up every week and we had just an acoustic guitar leading worship. I remember that. And I remember the joy when somebody new would walk in and I was like, you know, it could be another family. And then if they would walk out, I would say, oh no, please come back. I remember that. And then I remember the day we launched when 275 people showed up to our church. Now granted, they were from six states and it was a bunch of people that loved Lindsay and I and just came to support us and it didn't stay at 275. But I can remember just for the first time for the first time saying, God, this thing might actually work. Like people actually came. And I had a few conversations with the people who said they enjoyed it. Like this is incredible. And I can remember, I can remember seeing people for the first time in our church make decisions to follow Christ and just thinking to myself, this was just a dream a few months ago. And look what God's done. And now here we are two and a half years later. Not where we have dreamed of being and not where we would like to be, but where God has allowed us to be with a group of families and individuals who love our church, who are committed to our church, who serve faithfully in our church, who give financially to our church, who believe in the mission of our church enough to invite people to come to our church And though we are in a gymnasium week in and week out and we don't have our own facility and we don't have everything that we dream of having, we've made it. We've got a church that is a godly church, that's a healthy church, that's bigger than the average church in America. I'm so thankful for that. I never want to forget where God's brought us from because though we're saying we want to go further and experience more with Christ, let's not forget that God has done some amazing things in our church. And you're here today in a large part because a group of people believed in a call of God enough to commit their lives to start something out of nothing. And I'm humbled every time I think about where we are as a church, and I will forever remember July the 27th, 2014, when we had our last Sunday with one worship experience. Because starting next Sunday, we will offer two worship experiences one at 9 a.m. and one at 11 a.m. And my prayer is that we will never turn back, but we will see God do greater things in us than we've ever experienced before. Imagine with me, like remember with me in advance, a double size synergy church that has more people and more resources and can have a greater impact in this community. That is what X2 is all about. If you haven't been around me enough to know my heart, 
Please hear me say that I am not some ego-driven pastor that wants to be able to say to the pastor down the road, yeah, our church is killing it. That's not, that's not why we do what we do every week. It's because there are people out there who have been hurt by the church or who have never experienced the church who need to find the hope that the church can bring for their life. And we're committed to making that happen. And so this morning, this morning, let's remember on a personal level what Christ has done for us. That he gave his very life for us. And while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And it wasn't just an easy death. It was a brutal death. It was a death that we would never think of enduring if we had the option, which he did. And he chose to go through with the most brutal of deaths because he loved you and he loved me so that his grace could find us exactly where we are. But on a corporate level, let's also remember where God has brought us from. And you may not have been with us in the early days, but just know, just know that Synergy Church was never like this from the beginning. God has done some incredible things for this church. But let us also, like the disciples who were given instructions to remember Jesus for something he has not done yet, let us as a church, as a step of faith, believe God for greater things to come, especially in the next year. Can we do that? Can we just believe together that this is going to be a church that's going to grow? That this is going to be a church that's going to enlarge its impact by the grace of God? That this is going to be a church that's going to reach people who feel like they can't be reached and give hope to people who feel like there is no hope? That's Synergy Church. It's a group of people working together for a common purpose to accomplish more than they could ever accomplish on their own. And I'm honored to be part of it. And I pray that you are as well.